Good morning, guys. Uh, good to be with you all again, uh, virtually here through video. And so I'm glad you're uh, tuning in, hopping on here to uh, join us as we look at God's Word for a few minutes. Um, that's what we're doing right now. Uh, I'm going to unpack this a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk about the idea of discipleship. Uh, but for church, uh, we want to see you. We want to to be in the same presence as you. And so we'd love to have you, whether uh, we're in Tempe. So if you're in the east part of the valley or really anywhere in the valley, we'd love to have you. Hit us up on social media. Uh, or on our website, we'll give you the information, uh, directions, time, that kind of thing. We'll gather together this evening, on Sunday evenings, uh, we'll gather together and we'll spend more time in the Word, more time in prayer uh, with one another. We'll uh, share some food with one another and, and just kind of enjoy one another's company. So we'd love to have you. Uh, that's when we meet. Hit us up for more information and uh, we'll get that to you. We're going to start today with kind of a question and it's coming straight from the text. We're going to read this here in just a second. We're going to be in John chapter 6. Uh, so let me read verses 28 and 29 to you. So then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Not too long ago, uh, I was outside uh, with my children on a weekend, and uh, we're usually doing yard work and things like that. And so I was mowing the yard. I had my children sweeping off the sidewalk and driveway, the neighbor's driveway, my two oldest uh, I always put them to work doing something with me. And then my uh, third child, Madeline, she'll usually be outside, but often she's kind of just doing her own thing. She's playing, she's riding her bike, that type of thing. But this time she wanted to be involved, and she wanted to be doing what the others were doing. And so I gave her some tasks. I said, hey, I would like for you to help me move this or to, to pick this thing up. And I gave her a few things to do, meaningful things, but if they didn't happen, it was not a big deal. Uh, but she wasn't happy with that. She wasn't satisfied with that answer. And so what she really wanted to do was she wanted to sweep because that's what the older two were doing. And so I said, okay, we'll go get a broom. Well, she went and got a broom uh, like the others, but she wasn't completely happy with that because she wanted the big broom. She wanted the big push broom. And so eventually I tell the other two to take a break and give her the push broom and let her get after it. Now, there was a reason I didn't give her that. I knew that it was going to be difficult. It was going to be hard for her, but um, I really just enjoyed having her out there with me. So I go about my business, I'm continuing to work, and I look over and I see that she's struggling. And uh, I keep working, and a few minutes later I hear, hey, Daddy. And I turn around and she said, Daddy, this is hard. And she lays the broom down and she walks away. So we're going to see in this passage today as we look at discipleship and try to understand a little bit more about what discipleship is, a, a similar story, not the exact same, uh, but when there were disciples who were forced to make a decision on if they were going to continue following Jesus or not, and what it would look like, what actually pleased God. Jesus gives them this answer here. Uh, they said, what must we do? And they were probably earnest in their desire to ask this question. What must we do? And he says, believe in him and whom he sent. He said, believe in me. And some probably were earnest, but there were others who probably already had their own idea of what they needed to do. Kind of like my daughter. She wanted to help, but she didn't really want to help the way I had asked her to. She wanted to do it the way that she kind of already had in mind. And what she found was that was too hard. So we're going to look at this. Uh, John chapter 6 is where we're going to be continuing to read. We're going to jump way down in the chapter. There's a lot that takes place uh, in John chapter 6, and we could spend a significant amount of time working through that. But we're going to look at a couple of paragraphs uh, that, that run together there. But we're trying to answer the question uh, about discipleship. What must we do? And this whole series is kind of about who we are as a church. And so what, what does this look like for us as a church? 
And what's significant about this is we learn to be disciples. So scroll down with me or open your actual Bible, a real physical copy, and turn to John chapter 6. And we're going to read in verse 52. It says, The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And so Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. So you have a large group of Jews that are following Jesus, a large group of people just in general, uh, many of whom were Jews that were following Jesus. He's been performing miracles and, and doing these signs. And as he does them, the, the crowd grows. Uh, the, just the day before this, I saw him feed the 5,000. The night before, the twelve got to witness Jesus walking on water. So there's some significant things that are happening, and because of that, the crowd is growing. And here, Jesus is teaching in the synagogue, and Jesus is now teaching. They've asked the question, what must we do? He gives them the answer, believe in me. They're not satisfied with that, so they keep pressing for more, and Jesus begins to teach and expand on that. And he gives them this answer about his flesh and his blood, and it just blows their minds. The top of their head is just blown completely off. Uh, this is a pretty outrageous statement. Now, we have the benefit, we have the privilege of, of the full uh, authority of God's word, the scriptures uh, complete. And so we can look just a little bit farther and see kind of what Jesus is referring to. We, we see that Jesus is going to sacrifice his body and his blood. We, we see Jesus having a last meal with his uh, closest disciples, with the twelve, and, and instituting what we call the Lord's Supper. And so we're able to to put these things together. But imagine being there in that moment and hearing these statements. Uh, they're, they're outrageous. And so you have some that recognize that Jesus is claiming to be the Messiah. Throughout his, his teaching here, throughout his discourse, ultimately Jesus is saying, I'm the Messiah. The one that you've waited on, the one that you've anticipated, I'm he. Now, for many, for most, this would have just been straight blasphemy. I don't want anything to do with this. There's no way this guy can be the Messiah. And so, so they're outraged by this. There's, there's some who are just kind of stuck on the details of this. It, they don't even really understand completely what Jesus is saying because they're, they're confused by some of the details. So he's saying he's from heaven, but like I know his family. I know Joseph and Mary. Like it doesn't even make sense what he's trying to, to do or say here. And so they're, they're, just, they're just hung up on this. And then you've got some that are, that are completely shocked at the prospect of gnawing on human flesh or drinking blood. I mean, that's not exciting for any of us, right? They don't understand yet what he's saying and what he's trying to reveal to them. Uh, and so you've got this group of people who are just shocked by what he's saying. But now they have to respond. Uh, he gave them an answer. They could have said, okay, all right. But they didn't. They weren't happy with his answer. He, they wanted to know what to do, and he just gave up himself. He gave them himself. And that wasn't enough. And so he continues teaching. Now he's, he's taught to such a point that the people are forced to make a decision. 
Like what Jesus is talking about, this is significant. I'm either in or I'm out. So here's the response. Verse 60. When many of his disciples heard it, now notice John uses the word disciples here. He's talking about a large group of people that have been following Jesus. They said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. And after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. It's easy for us to look at this and, and just assume that we would be in there in the twelve, but it's probably a lot more likely that, that, that many of us would have been like this large group. That we'd be like, this is hard. I, I like what he's saying. I enjoy seeing these cool things that he's doing. There's certainly, certainly something special about this man. But after what he's taught today, I just don't know that I'm on board with that. That's a little more than I'm, I'm willing to give. And so this is, this is kind of where these people are. Now remember the question we started with is what must we do? What must we do to be doing the works of God? And so there were probably some who, who really earnestly wanted to know the answer to that question. And there were probably some who assumed they already had the answer. They just kind of wanted uh, Jesus to confirm that. They wanted him to bless that. That's language that we would use today. Uh, I've got a plan and I know what I need to do. I just kind of want God to bless what I'm doing. So, verse 66, let's, let's go back to that verse. Here's how they respond. After this, many of his disciples, okay, this isn't the twelve, this is the, the large group, turned back and no longer walked with him. Now this phrase, no longer walked with him, kind of finds its root in this Greek verb, peripatine. Uh, and the simplest definition for this word is simply to walk. Okay, but the word has a, a much broader intended usage. Let me give you some other examples uh, from the New Testament. Paul, he's instructing Christian followers uh, to live lives of integrity as Christians, so he calls them to walk not according to the flesh. That's Romans 8. Romans 14, he calls people to walk in love or to walk by the Spirit in Galatians 5. But many, he said, walk instead as enemies in Philippians 3. Yet we're called to walk worthy of God in 1 Thessalonians. Elsewhere in the Gospel of John, to follow Jesus is kind of the equivalent of walking in the light or walking in the daytime. And so this, this verb is used to, con uh, to convey much more than just walking. They're not talking about uh, the physical stride of a person walking, the, the length of their steps or the way their foot strikes the ground or how their arms swing or they're very rigid or they're very loose. They're, they're talking about, they're conveying this idea of, of conduct, a way of life, uh, a way to, to live. Uh, it's not just physical walking from point A to point B. 
Now, this concept is, is kind of key in the Old Testament as well. It's very foundational in that. You have the law or the Torah. Uh, the Hebrew word for walk is halak. And, and they, they take that word and they kind of attach it uh, to some of the rules and some of the laws. And so what ends up happening then, it's, a, it's intended to be a guide for how to walk with God. The law should inform uh, Israel, as we look in the Old Testament, it should inform us the manner in which we walk with the Lord. But what happens as you, as you read through the Bible, what you see is that the law becomes the end in and of itself. The, the idea is to be walking with God. It's, it's to assist us in our walk with God. But what happens uh, is they begin focusing on the rules. They're focused on uh, what they can do or what they can't do and trying to check that box. And it becomes a way in which they, they measure um, you know, how well or measure their Jewishness in some way. Uh, and we do this today. We do this in our churches. We, we, we have our own set of rules that are less formal, maybe not written down, uh, but we go about doing these things that we think are going to, uh, that are good things, that are going to assist us in our walk with God. But what happens is those rules become the means in and of themselves. If we can uh, follow these rules, then we're good. Uh, think about this. Uh, you've seen churches, you've been in churches. Uh, if you've been around church very much at all, uh, you've maybe heard Christians, well-meaning Christians, talk about this in a, in a way that uh, you think, I don't know about that. Because we use this language, right? We use uh, walking with the Lord or uh, how is your walk with the Lord? Maybe you've heard a testimony of somebody that says, before I was walking with the Lord, I lived this way. And we kind of know what that means. Uh, for me, when I was uh, younger, when I was a young believer, when I was uh, a, a teenager, to be walking with the Lord was really a, uh, really was a set of rules. Uh, it was uh, church attendance. It was Sunday school. It was giving. It was don't cuss, don't smoke, don't drink, um, don't watch R-rated movies, or uh, don't listen to this type of music. And if you did those things, then, I mean, I, you were like three-quarters of the way there. Like, if you could just kind of stay within those rules, you were good. But that really didn't have anything to do with my walk with God. Those were just rules that I could accomplish, that I could track and say, okay, because I've done this or because I've done that, then I'm this close to God. When really I wasn't. I didn't spend any time with God. So the rules in and of themselves became the most important thing. But see, that's, that's what the Jews were wanting. Think about this. Think about the question they were asking. Jesus, what must we do? They wanted a set of rules. They wanted to know A to B to C. What steps can I take? What things can I do that will ensure that I'm doing the right things all the time? They wanted, they wanted a system. They wanted a way uh, to kind of to guard their life. And those things aren't bad in and of themselves. But what Jesus gives them here in this, this particular passage is he just gives them himself. And we see the response of so many was that they no longer walked with Jesus. What Jesus was saying is, is believe in me and keep walking with me. And the response was is that many couldn't do that. They wouldn't continue to walk with Jesus when they found out what he was really conveying. Think about this in our own lives. 
This is often what we want when we ask the same question. God, what, what is it I need to do? What must I do? Lord, in this, this circumstance in my life, where is it I need to go? What thing do I need to be doing tomorrow morning and throughout my day that will draw me closer to you? We, we want uh, a guideline. We want an instruction manual. We want uh, steps. We want rules. We want systems. We want something to, to, to facilitate our growth. And God just wants us to walk with him. Jesus says, believe in me and walk with me. The Lord just simply desires that we spend that time with him. Now, I know some of you are saying, all right, Josh, I mean, we don't do anything. I mean, just spend time with Jesus and that's it. Well, kind of, but Jesus did give some very clear instructions. He gave his people a mission. He gave his disciples a mission, the 12. So after three years of Jesus' public ministry, he, uh, uh, they spend time with him. They walk all over the countryside with him. They listen to him. They They hear him teach, they learn from him, they observe how he interacts with people, they see his relationships, they eat with him, they they argue in front of him, they have silly debates in front of him, they act foolish in front of him, and, and Jesus interacts with them in the middle of that. And so before Jesus ascends to be with the Father, he tells them to go and to make disciples. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. So what is that? Here, I think in this passage, that a disciple, we're, we're, we're making it kind of simple, but it's somebody who's walking with Jesus, who's walking with the Lord. Not only are they walking with the Lord, but here as Jesus gives them instructions, he gives them instructions to lead others to walk with him. Paul says it this way, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. But often, we're not satisfied with that. We don't just want Jesus. We want to know what we can do with our own hands. What can we accomplish that's going to get us closer? Jesus says, spend time with me. Too often we translate this idea uh, of making disciples or, or we interpret how to make disciples as erecting buildings or creating programs or instituting behavioral standards. And all of this is it's kind of a grand effort for us to install some type of system that will facilitate our ability to, uh, to have a, a strong discipleship process. And we do that probably for different reasons. One is, in some ways, it's just simpler. It's easier for me to erect a building than it is uh, to invest my life into someone else. To, to give of myself in such a way that... that when there's issues, I'm going to be involved with it. When they're navigating the challenges of life, and it's messy, and I don't know the answer, and I'm not sure what to do, and I thought that they were doing good, but here they've made the same decision, the same mistake that they've made so many times in the past. You know what? It's just easier. Let's, let's go build a building and just have everybody come there. Let's, let's have a system in place that gets everybody through with, without me being completely involved in somebody else's life. That's an easier thing to do. Another reason is is simply because it's kind of mundane, right? If I'm going to just walk with somebody, that's not always real exciting. It's not always real glamorous. Uh, When I was in the military, 
one of the things that I grew to enjoy, um, but sometimes also hated, was that uh, we walked everywhere. We would have a, a, a motor pool full of vehicles, uh, but we would need to go to this place for that and say, all right, how are we going to get there? Well, we're going to walk. We're going to get in formation of some kind, and we're going to walk from point A to point B. What I grew to love about that was it was in those times, in many ways, that you really get to know the people that you're around, that you're serving with. You get to know about what they like and what they don't like. You get to know about their families. You get to see how they are in certain situations. You, you grow very close in doing something as simple as walking, but you're spending a significant amount of time with that person or with that group of people. But it's, it's not glamorous, is it? We're just walking. It would be much better if I could, if I could develop some type of system that draws large crowds and I can point and say, look at, at what I've done. Look at how we're following these rules to accomplish this thing. But Jesus says, I just want you to walk with me. This is different, I think, than our perception of what it means to make disciples. Dallas Willard says this in his book, Renovation of the Heart. He says, the impotence of systems is a main reason why Jesus did not send his students or disciples out to start governments or even churches as we know them today, which always strongly convey some elements of a human system. They were instead to establish beachheads of his person, word, and power in the midst of a failing and futile humanity. They were to bring the presence of the kingdom and its king into every corner of human life simply by fully living in the kingdom with him. With him. Uh, the idea that, that Willard is communicating sounds much more like what Jesus is teaching here about discipleship. Discipleship is walking. It's walking with the Lord. And in turn, walking through life with others and leading them to walk with the Lord. Remember, again, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. It's, it's not just walking with the Lord forever and always and doing just that and not really being concerned with anybody else. But it's walking with the Lord and bringing others along with that walk, showing them what it's like to walk with the Lord. This is what making disciples is. The question that we have to that we have to ask, or uh, is that are we okay with that? Is that too hard? Are we comfortable with this, or uh, is this where we walk away? Because in this text, that's what happens. When it comes down to it, many walk away. Or maybe, it's hard for me to imagine what would have to happen at this point in my life to just practically walk away from the faith. Uh, to just say, I'm out. I don't know what that would be, but it's more likely, and, and I've done this in my life, is that when I very clearly hear from God what it is He would have me to do at this particular time in life or with this particular relationship, that I say in my mind, you know what, that's too hard. And what I do is I look for another way that maybe I could accomplish what he wants. Or, or maybe, maybe I'm not accomplishing exactly what he wants, but I could point and say, well, this was a good thing. And so I, I haven't left, but I'm not actually doing what he's called me to do. I think that's probably more often where we land in a lot of this. We look for other less burdensome ways to contribute. To feel like we're doing something without actually doing what Jesus commands us to do. 
So what must we do? As a believer, Lord, what must I do? As a church, what must we do? And the answer is simple. We make it much more complicated, but the answer is simple in that we must make disciples. As a disciple of Jesus, who is walking with Jesus, we have to be about the things that Jesus was about. Making disciples. So we've prompted this series with the question, who are we? We're disciple makers. As a church, the Salt River Community Church, we're about making disciples. That's our purpose. To walk with Jesus and to lead others to walk with Jesus. And that puts you in one of two categories. You're either someone who needs help and learning to know and to see and to understand what it's like to walk with Jesus. Or you've been walking with Jesus a great number of years. And it's time to start bringing others along with you. When you break it down uh, this simply, then our options are limited. And when our options are limited and, and we, we understand really what it is we're called to do and what's at stake, this is, this is where we have to ask that question. Are we in or are we out? And the primary way we go about this at, at Salt River is we like to gather in groups of two or three. And we commit to walking with Jesus together. Investing heavily in one another's lives as we spend time in the Word and spend time in prayer. As we navigate the challenges of life. As we experience the joys of life together. And then after a, a, an extended season of time as we do that together, then that, that group then as we've walked together learning what it's like to walk with Jesus, then we begin that group would, would separate, it would multiply, and it would look to do that with other people in your life. Now that I've, I've learned what it's like to walk with Jesus, who can I bring along with me and to gather one or two or three other people and to invest in them and to spend time with them, to read the word with them, to pray with them, to, to understand how to apply what's in here to our everyday life, to walk with Jesus and to walk with them as you're walking with Jesus. This is what we're called to do. So where are you? Where do you fall in that? What's your next step as you walk with Jesus? Lord, what must we do? Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, how so clearly you've shown us, you've revealed to us what it is we must do. But Father, it's it's hard. We find it challenging sometimes, but but God, like Peter, where else will we go? We've come to know and believe, Jesus, that you're the Holy One of God. Lord, as we consider where it is that we're at in our walk with you, Lord, and, and what you would have us to do next, how we would participate in this, in making disciples, how we would join you in the mission that you're already working about. God, give us strength and courage. Father, help us to place one foot in front of the other as we walk alongside you, Father. Lord, help us to bring others along with us. To be willing to, to give of our time and our resources 
to invest in others' lives as we can show them what it looks like to walk with you. God, help us to be a church that remains focused on this, on making disciples. Lord, on walking with you daily and bringing others along for that walk. God, we love you. And we know that you love us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, have a good week. We'll see you tonight.